Greetings, and welcome to the Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. I'm Phyllis Hollis, your host. As an extension of my Instagram page, Cerebral Women, this podcast offers insights into the visual art world. I interview artists, mainly artists of color and female artists, who will freely articulate what inspires their creativity. In addition, you'll hear interesting perspectives from dedicated art professionals who work with artists and the art institutions that feature them. I'm confident that collectively, these individuals will indeed stimulate your mind as they do our eyes. Please know these interviews are conducted in my Manhattan apartment, so please forgive the background sounds of city life. Welcome to the Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. In this episode, I feature Baltimore-based painter and fiber artist Stephen Towns. His work explores how American history influences contemporary society. Originally from South Carolina, Stephen received a Bachelor of Fine Art in Painting from the University of South Carolina. His work has been exhibited in several venues, including the National Museum of African American History, the Baltimore Museum of Art, the Westmoreland Museum of American Art, amongst others. His work has also been collected by the Smithsonian National Museum of African American History and Culture, the Baltimore Museum of Art, the Nelson Atkins Museum of Art, and the Flint Institute of Arts, to name a few. His work has been featured in several publications that include the New York Times, Art Forum, Culture Magazine, and others. Enjoy this episode featuring painter and fiber artist Stephen Towns. Stephen, I'm delighted to feature you on my Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast today. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. When did you discover your artistic passion? I think when I was young. I am one of 11 children, and I was always sort of the shy child, even in my family, even in school. And so I felt like the most important way for me to express myself was through drawing. It was something that was embraced by my art teachers and my family, even though my family have never known any famous artists or knew about the arts. It was something that was embraced by them. Was there a particular artist that influenced you early on? No, because I didn't know very much about the arts. But I would say as I grew older and I started learning about the arts, one of the artists that influenced me was Marie Cassatt, especially her paintings of mothers and children. Just seeing the warmth in her paintings and the connection between the people that were being depicted in the paintings really sort of influenced me. And that's why when I make my work, I want the viewer to have an experience that they're in this intimate place because that's how her work made me feel. And what materials do you use in your work? Well, I started out with watercolor, as many artists do. For me, it was sort of working with what I could afford. And then I learned oil painting in college. And now I've incorporated quilting into my work. When I was in college, my professor was very much interested in religious paintings and Renaissance paintings. And that's how I began incorporating a lot of gold leaf and metal leaf into my work. So when you see my paintings, you'll see them often There's gold in it, some sort of reflective material, and a lot of it is oil painting. And I have sort of these themes that show up in my work. One is like a reflective material. The reflection is sort of my evolved view of God. God is sort of all-encompassing, reflective, and off of everything. You'll also see some sort of insect, like a butterfly or some animal, like a bird. 
And for me, that represents spirituality. Sometimes the figure is surrounded by it. Sometimes it's in front of them. And then you'll often see these figures, these sort of stoic figures, black figures, and they are kind of like representations of myself. So in my work, I try to paint these people in sort of regal spaces. They're Black people and sort of show the beauty of Blackness and our importance in this country. Are there feelings that overwhelm you as you start to work on a new piece? I often work from archival photos because it's sort of a way of me depicting history so it doesn't get lost. And there's often... For me, it's like discovering the relationship between the person being photographed, the photographer, and um, sort of having a conversation with those imaginary conversations with those people and trying to just show the beauty of the person and what the person is trying to communicate. The last exhibition series of works that I worked on was on Black labor. And I often worked with a lot of archival images, and it was a difficult process making all of this work. And I would always pray before I begin a work, just that I can do the ancestors proud when I make that work. It can be overwhelming when you when you start a piece for me, but I feel like I just sort of look to the ancestors to guide my hands, to guide my thoughts so that I can portray them in the best way that that's possible for me. And do you listen to music while you're working? Yeah, I often listen to music and I often listen to books and podcasts. A lot of my work is researched and I learn about a person, learn about their history. And then when I cannot physically look at a book, I often listen to books or podcasts or watch documentaries about that person so that I can make sure that I'm getting the feel of that person. And if there's something that I pick up that I didn't initially know or think about, I can add that into the work. I have a piece in the show about Marcus Garvey. And while I was working on this show, I wanted to do an image of Marcus Garvey because you don't see him a lot in museums and art museums. And there were a lot of things that I learned that I picked up on while I was creating the piece. He's a very sort of complicated figure in American history. And I wanted to show those complications in the work. When did the titles of your paintings enter the creative process? Oftentimes they happen when it's done. I know some people work in the beginning but um, and have titles in their mind in the beginning. But for me, it's sort of after they're done or sort of midway. The piece tells me what it wants to be called. I don't often um, work with titles until it's actually done. And when I'm thinking of the title, I'm thinking about the viewer and how they're going to interpret the title. So sometimes I'll use a lot of very flowery language. I'll use scripture, or sometimes it's very simple. Like the piece about Marcus Garvey is called Marcus Garvey because a lot of people don't know who he is, which was sort of surprising to me, but a lot of people don't know who he is. So I was like, I'm gonna call this piece Marcus Garvey. It's a quilt. And then people will have to sort of look up what, who Marcus Garvey is by seeing the title of this quote. How would you define Black art? For me, Black art is just art made by a person who is seen as Black and identifies themselves as Black. I've heard people say that they don't want to be referred as a Black artist, that they're an artist. And for me, it doesn't really matter to me. I'm fine being called a Black artist. I'm from the South. I'm dark-skinned. There's no denying that I'm a Black person. So I've had 
sort of the Black American experience. And there is no way that I can hide from that experience. And there's no way that 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 experience doesn't show up in my work. So for me, it is important to be called a Black artist. I know one of the things that people have complained about is that, especially now that Black people, Black artists spend too much time on figurative stuff. And I think for me, the reason I spend so much on the figurative and not the abstract is that it is a way for me to affirm who I am, that I am a human being, that I am a person, that I do belong to be here. Even in the most mundane of places or mundane of scenes, the focus on the figurative and and Blackness is an affirming of myself and who I am. While you're creating or when you're creating, do you think about your audience and do you think about whether or not they'll understand your work? All the time, all the time. I'm one of those artists that sort of think about the art, the audience and what they're going to see and making an image beautiful. I know some artists don't want to worry about the artist, don't care if something is pretty or not, but I always want pretty things. I was sort of never in a space where I could have nice things And so for me, I like to make things nice and I like people to see beautiful things. And so I'm always thinking of the audience and how they're going to interpret this. I may have wanted to do something one way, but I look at the work and it says, well, it's not really saying that. And then I have to change it. And often I'll have other people look at the work and tell me what they see. And if they don't see what I see, then I have to sort of modify things so that what I'm trying to say is being communicated. I'm not a person who feels bad about critique. It's like, okay, that hurt my feelings, but I have to get over it and I have to make the work so that it's communicating what I want to say. What does your workplace look like, your workspace? Well, I have just been in the process of moving because the building that my studio was in was sold. So I am currently working out of my home. So in my basement, it's sort of very organized right now because I'm not working on anything. But when I am working, it is chaos. I do quilts and then I do paintings. And when I'm working on quilts, that's all I'm working on because I don't want the paint to contaminate anything. So you'll see beautiful patterns and fabrics and everywhere. Um, And then when I'm working on paintings, you'll see um, paintings sort of strewn all over the place because I always work in multiples. I never work on one piece at a time. I'm working on five pieces in a series at a time because all of my work is very sort of, um, there are procedures, there are things that need to be done. So I can work on one thing one day, work on another thing on another painting another day. And it's just a whole process. And what are you excited about now? I am excited about the show that I currently have uh, called Declaration and Resistance. It's right now, it's at the um, Westmoreland Museum of Art, and it'll be traveling to Boise and Winston-Salem later on. As I said, it's been a labor of love. I worked through it during um, coronavirus, the whole pandemic. And it helped me through the pandemic. And so seeing this work up now, having such a positive reception that I've had, it's really exciting for me. And so I love the work. And then I'm looking forward to what I'll be doing next. I don't quite know yet, but I have some ideas in the back of my head. How do you keep learning? I think one thing that is amazing now is that we have the internet. The internet is sort of magic 
we have this endless space of knowledge. And so I always listen to podcasts. I'm always listening to books. I watch YouTube videos about different subject matter. So it's my mind is always sort of wanting to learn stuff and always making sure I have my library card. So if I need to check something out, that's always available to me. So I think the internet has opened up my curiosity. And especially, I think, going through the Black Lives Matter movement, there is a new embrace of Black history. So there's even more content for me to digest that there wasn't before. Commenting on history, what what do you feel is the purpose of art? I think art is a way of showing ourselves. I mean, for me, like thinking of the cave paintings, this is a time before photography. It's a way of documenting a place in time. And even before photography, people were painting portraits and landscapes. And like those are really, we have descriptions in books, but those are only sort of visual markers of what those time periods are. And so it's, for me, art is about documenting a place and time. And um, that's how I feel like it is for me. Has your practice changed much over the years? It has because I focused a lot of paintings and portraiture before. And since I've gotten into quilting, I should mention, I don't know if I've mentioned this before, but a lot of my quilts are very figurative quilts. I've been able to do more of that and incorporate more mixed materials into my paintings. And so they have evolved over time. When I look at my earlier work as compared to the work that I'm doing now, there's a lot of differences. Are there themes that overlap? Definitely, because I was always, I was always interested in Black history. I wasn't Black American history. I wasn't always as knowledgeable as I needed to be. And growing up in South Carolina, there were things that I didn't see that I was not able to see until I moved to the North. There are certain prejudices, racist things that happened that I didn't pay attention to while I lived there just because it was normalized. And it wasn't until I came up here, I'm living in Baltimore, Maryland now, that I've seen that some of those things were not right that I experienced. Also moving into Baltimore, Baltimore is a very sort of, um, it's a gritty place. And it's also the hub, like the place between the North and the South where people will escape. And um, I just got more and more interested in that history. And that history helped to inform me about how things are now, not only how they are here in Baltimore, but how they are in South Carolina and over the United States sort of the sad things that I have seen, the more that I learn is how cyclical history is. And when bad things happen, part of me goes, that's humans being humans, because this had happened before. If you weren't a visual artist, what other profession do you think you'd probably pursue? Well, I am a person that has not had a traditional sort of visual artist. I went to university, and then after I left the University of South Carolina, I had every and any odd job. I worked in restaurants, I worked in retail, I worked in factories, I worked in after-school programs. So it was not sort of an um, easy rise for me. This has sort of been a long, slow, good, bad process. And so it's really difficult for me to say that because I just stopped working full time probably like three or four years ago. 
I was working at a university and um, an office. And um, so I have just been one of those people that has always worked. And because I didn't know about anything or didn't have the connections, I would work where I could find a job. In fact, the reason I came to Baltimore was because of the 2008 crisis. Everybody was losing their jobs. I lost my job and I had to come somewhere where I could find work. And I was unemployed for like two years before I found work. So that's a long answer, but I've just been one of those people that's always just worked where I could and where I could find a job. And um, I've always done art. And luckily I'm in the space where I can focus on my art full time. What do you enjoy most about being a full-time visual artist? I enjoy the amount of time I'm able just to spend with the work and the amount of time I'm able to learn. I also am able to have people help me with quilts. And so like being able to spend time with um, my studio assistants when um, we're working on the quilts together and just spend time in work and beauty and materials and the tactile objects and learning. It really is an honor to be able to do that. And I'm lucky. I feel very lucky that I'm able to spend my time doing this right now. Earlier, you commented that you use metals. Mm -hmm. Do you recall what sparked that idea? Well, it was my um, professor in um, college. He did a lot of work around the Renaissance and um, religious iconography. And um, he would often have students recreate those paintings. And so it was him who introduced me to the process of using gold and metal leaf in work. And that's when I began incorporating that sometime in the early 2000s. And I just loved how beautiful it looked, reflecting off materials. And it felt very precious to me, just like the, the people in my paintings are precious to me. That metal is too. They're like jewels. Beautiful accent. Thank you. I really enjoyed this conversation. This is going to be our last question, and that is, how do you want your art to impact the way people think? I am often thinking about how Black people are looked at in America, and I've researched some of the horrific images of how people were depicted. I grew up in the 80s, and I think of some of like the depictions that I've seen in like old Bugs Bunny cartoons and Tom and Jerry cartoons, and it's just, it's like wow, this is not that long ago that we were depicted that way. And I'm also very conscious of how I am depicting Black people in work. And so in my work, I want to show the beauty of us. I want people to know that we matter. If you see this Black person with this gold halo behind them, it's very difficult to tell them that there are bad people. In the long history of things, and after I passed away, I want people to to know the history and to know that we matter and to bring that out in my work. Thank you so much. I appreciate the work that you do. And I also appreciate the meaning. Thank you. It's been a great time talking to you. You take care. You too. Thank you for listening to Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. For additional content, please visit CerebralWomen.com and be sure to follow Cerebral Women on Instagram.